What's up, skeptics? Welcome to another episode of Reason to Doubt, your source for all things skeptical. I am Jordan with Jared, and we have a special guest today, Dave from Answers and Reason. How's it going, Dave? I'm not too bad. How's it going? Going well. Dave's joining us all the way from sunny Wales. Very sunny. (laughs) I mean, it's all white, so, you know, it's got to be sunny. (laughs) And uh, today we're going to be talking about skepticism. Since this is a skepticism channel, I thought we should probably have an episode about like, what is that? What does it mean to be a skeptic? How should you do it? (laughs) And uh, I'll be honest, I probably have not thought about what it means to be a skeptic and the, the various ways of being skeptical as much as I should, you know, given that. That's like kind of my thing. So, yeah. <laughs> and, and it may turn out that we're not even true skeptics the way yeah. that we go about it. So, Peroni, yeah, Peroni and skepticism would say you're not. So, yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> so, uh, before we dive in, Dave, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Um, I'm Dave. I'm one of those annoying philosophy kind of people who generally tends to make everything far more complicated than it needs to be and really boring. Um, I stream with Joe on Answers and Reason, or, well, we've taken a break for a while um, because I've had a few health issues, but um, we're probably going to be streaming again soon. So, And I'm doing a computer degree as well. Oh, wow. Man, you just can't stay out of school, can you? (laughs) No, I got nothing better to do. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I can say if you all aren't familiar with Answers and Reason yet, uh, I highly recommend you go check their channel out. Uh, one of my favorite channels on the YouTubes. So it's got a really high quality of uh, information. So it's it's very highbrow. So I think you're talking about a different channel. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. Well, the the hosts aren't necessarily highbrow, but the information <laughs> that's better. It. Yeah, that's better. <laughs> All right, Dave, so let's get into it. What does it mean to be skeptical? What does it mean to be a skeptic? Okay, well, I'm probably going to alienate a lot of your audience now um, because I'm going to say just like being an atheist, there's more than one kind. Um, And if you go back to ancient Greece, there's two schools of skepticism. um, And what we call skepticism now is very different. In ancient Greece, you had the academics and you had the Peronians. And back then, it was about whether knowledge was actually possible. The academics believed we could never have knowledge, and the Peronians thought they were being far too dogmatic. Because we should suspend judgment on whether knowledge is actually possible rather than declare that it's not possible. And so... If my understanding is correct, like that, that one school of thought, like, can we even have knowledge, basically meant that you were skeptical of all claims. Like Everything. you couldn't have you never you yeah. didn't assent to any kind of propositions, you didn't give belief to anything. Everything was well, I don't know. And they, they believed that it brought you inner peace by saying that never assenting to anything. Which probably like didn't to, help when you walk into a wall. Yeah, like to <laughs> anything, anything? Anything, anything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That strikes me as maybe a little bit extreme. <laughs> Radical skepticism. <laughs> right. Uh, so where did it go from there? Moving on from ancient Greece, how do we get to where we are now? You kind of move forward then for quite a while until Descartes appears. And then Descartes comes along with his methodological doubt, which was basically the idea of doubting all of your beliefs. Getting... Going through them all and any belief that wasn't indubitable, you got rid of. So if it's kind of extreme because he set the bar so high that no beliefs could actually match it. So you're essentially going back to radical skepticism, but looking for a foundation to build all your beliefs off of. Um, And of course, Descartes, the only thing he actually got down to was the Gogito. Which is, I think, therefore I am. Yeah, yeah. Because if there's something doing the thinking, that thinking thing must exist. So to doubt that you were thinking means you're thinking and it means you exist. So it's the only thing that you couldn't actually doubt. Yeah, so we're going to – you can't know anything except for this one thing that you can know. And And then he – He built everything up from that, yeah. Um, And he started with the whole doubting of the senses. You're probably used to something like that. Um, you've probably dealt with pre-suppers. 
Mm-hmm. Um, or since it's sometimes fail. Yeah, yeah, they're horrible. Um, <laughs> and it's such bad argumentation, although it made sense in Descartes' example because he was trying to doubt anything no matter how ridiculous the doubt. So if our senses sometimes fail us, then we can never trust our senses because how do we know we're not dreaming? And you have the whole evil demon argument. And then he built up a foundation from that, which was that God exists and God is not a trickster. God would do his best to make sure that you didn't have false beliefs. So therefore you weren't being tricked by an evil demon. It's a terrible argument, but it's a foundation (laughs) to build everything from. I always found it funny uh, when I'm thinking about Descartes, like the original idea for Descartes seems great. Like let's challenge all of my previously held beliefs and look at them skeptically one by one. But it's funny that he came back and held all the same beliefs he looked at when he started. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah. it. <laughs> he just grounded them a little bit differently. It's like, yeah. I'm going to doubt everything, but I'm so smart that everything I thought before was correct anyway. So, you know. Yeah. Man, who, <laughs> what are the odds? Yeah, who would have thought? <laughs> yeah. um, but this is actually something I kind of wish more skeptics today would kind of look at. Because I think Descartes, like you said, it's a great idea. Doubting all of your beliefs and going through and checking all the um, justifications and rationalizations because that's what his whole idea was to see what was justified and what was just, well, so-and-so told me so. Or it's what everybody believes. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely a tendency in humans and atheists and skeptics aren't immune to this to kind of you take in knowledge and once you've like the knowledge is there your brain's like well i know it so it doesn't matter how i know it it's you know that's not important yeah you know and it kind of jettisons that part you know so you end up with a bunch of things that you know how do i know it i'm just smart yeah (laughs) i'm just smart you know i'm smart if i've thought it therefore it must be right so yeah yeah well i'm I'm an engineer, which makes me an expert in every field. So that's fortunate. (laughs) I'm a philosopher. You know, that makes me an expert in everything too. (laughs) And I'm a theologian, which makes me an expert in nothing. So, um, you know, the metaphysical grounding of everything in that case. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, You're uh, in touch with the guy who designed it all. (laughs) Exactly. That's true. (laughs) That's not true, actually. Um, (laughs) So one thing about Descartes is, what I think it's important to point out too is that he also had this concept that that all of your other beliefs interfered with one another too. So like you really had to see how they interlocked like a spider web, right? So like you really had to dig into it. Yeah. And that that's something that G Moore kind of worked on later in the like, you know, this century or last century. He kind of came up with that idea of the web of beliefs. And that's also something in psychology. Mm-hmm. Something called schematic processing is the way our brains process everything. Everything is all interlinked. So if you have something down at the bottom that is kind of faulty, it makes all the beliefs that follow from it faulty. Which actually is part of the reason that I spend any time at all talking about theism and you know religion that sort of thing other than the fact that I you know I've got to do something before <laughs> I shuffle off my mortal coil. But uh, <laughs> but it. While I don't go as far as like, I don't know, some people like Aaron Ra or Matt Dillahunty or Christopher Hitchens where religion poisons everything, I think that if you start with faulty assumptions, then you can't help but come to faulty conclusions in some situations. Absolutely. That's not great, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so we're talking about doubt and like how you can know things. So that touches on epistemology, right? The way that you can like what it means to know things. Yeah. So how does, how does that tie in? Okay. Epistemology is kind of a complicated subject. Um, most people are familiar with the idea of the justified true belief. Um, and that is what knowledge is. But today that's kind of frowned upon. Those are necessary components for knowledge, but they're not sufficient components for knowledge. And um, there's even doubts whether belief is necessary for knowledge. I don't quite buy that one myself. I think it sounds a bit ridiculous to say, I know the sun is outside, but I don't believe the sun is outside. Yeah, I don't know how you could know something, but believe not that thing. Somebody tells you something. um, So say you learn from school, um, one plus one is two. You don't believe it, but because your teacher told you, you accept it's probably true. 
you can have a spurious case like that. It it sounds kind of forced and overcomplicated to me. Um, <laughs> I can't remember the woman's name, Carolyn Black, I think it is, who put that forward. But as far as I'm concerned, belief and knowledge are two things that are necessary components. Well, I can give you an example, Jordan. You know God exists. You just don't believe in him. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Though uh, James White would told me that I uh, I do believe it. I'm just suppressing the truth and unrighteousness. Yeah. That deep down. Going back to presuppers. You know, that's yeah. I get told that a lot by presuppers. Deep way deep down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, when it comes to like what I believe, they would know, right? They're obviously better informed on the subject than I am. <laughs> So, uh, <laughs> so epistemology is complicated and a deep subject. We're not going to spend the whole time talking about epistemology, but for the purposes of like knowing whether you should know something or uh, do you think that it's good enough to go with the justify true belief de I do, de yeah. definition as like a... It's yeah. like if you can justify something, and this is where the complicated bits in, and this is why the academics and the Peronians said that knowledge could never be had because justifications become difficult. You either led down a route of infinite regress of justifications, you're led down a route of circular arguments, or you find basically what Descartes does, you find a dogmatic foundation where you're just asserting something is true and you're building from that. Um, but I do think it's fine as long as you're for the average everyday person, you just need to have good enough justifications to say, well, you know, all the scientists say this. So therefore, I'm going with the scientists. They seem to know what they're talking about. I believe what the scientists say. That that seems like you have knowledge of a particular subject. Not in-depth knowledge, but it's good enough to say you have knowledge, I would say. Good enough to keep you from walking into walls and Yeah, like yeah, that. basically. I mean... It, <laughs> If you believe gravity, um, you've seen balls fall a million times, that seems pretty good justification to not walk off the edge of a cliff and say, you know, you don't you don't want to die. Right. And practically speaking, like while there may be situations where that kind of mindset doesn't work, you're the person just living their life is unlikely to run into those situations regularly. That's it. And I think that's David Hume said once that you can do all this, like go deep into the woods, be like the academics, be like the Peronians. But at the end of the day, you're going to leave your study and go back to playing backgammon. And none of it's going to matter to the guy you're playing backgammon with. And I think that's the case for most people. To say you know something is just to have good reasons to say you know it. It's true and you believe it's true. And that uh, is... The the thing about justification is important because it doesn't mean that we need to like have a hundred percent certainty. No, right? um, and that's the other thing that goes back to the academics and the Peronians. They say you need to have a hundred percent certainty, but today infallibilism is the most common thing, and that's basically what science does. Something is true if we have good reason to believe it's true, and there is no actual counterfactuals that discard it as being true. So basically, something is true if you have good reasons to think it's true and no insufficient reasons to think it's not true. Yeah, yeah. And that, and, that, that seems and like pretty good you kinda just Kind of just lightly hold your opinions on what's true and be willing to change it in the future. Yeah, which is where the skepticism is important. If you hold on to it and you're, you think you're infallible, you're probably not holding on to very good knowledge. I mean, I suppose you could say... Like Descartes, that's an infallible thing. But today, there's even arguments that that's fallible. So, gonna, so go ahead, Jared. We'll say real quick. Like, I think it's important to distinguish between like skepticism and like the skeptical method, because yeah. I think like what Jordan and I do here is more of a um, supporting the skeptical method and stuff. Like, you know, we're not true. Uh, skeptics in the Peronian sense or, or even, but like we do hold a skepticism, but we're more proponents of like just applying the skeptical method doubt. to things. Yeah. Right. Right. And yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's, that's probably the most important form of skepticism. 
it leads to what would be considered plain skepticism, which is what most people in the skeptic community is. We have a disposition to being skeptical. We have an evidential outlook. And we doubt certain things. We might not go through all of our beliefs and doubt them like Descartes did, but I'm kind of doubtful that even he did that. <laughs> Gonna yeah. be skeptical. You know? I mean, again, like we said, if you go through that process and end up with exactly the same beliefs at the end, probably didn't do probably. a good job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think I did that though. When I did my deconversion, I had like this crisis of like, well, what do I know? Like, what are I? So I kind of went through and I took like a like a stock of like the big important topics, right? Like, it's like, all right, so maybe it doesn't matter if I understand that my mom and my dad actually exist or not, but morality, ethics, things like that really play a big role. So I'm going to look at those previously held beliefs. So the other stuff's just kind of like, whatever. It, <laughs> as it comes up, it comes up. That, that's it. The, we all have sort of these big major outlooks on life and these, our beliefs guide us. So the important thing is to look at the beliefs that guide us more than anything and make sure that they're on good foundations and they're guiding us in a reasonably good way. And I think that's what skepticism should be about. So are there uh, kind of developed methods of skepticism that we can look at that are popular today? Like It's just basically called critical thinking today. <laughs> yeah. Um, Don't be an idiot. Yeah, basically. <laughs> but it's, it's kind of making sure that you're going to the right epistemic authorities. You're not allowing your biases to taint how you look at the information. You look at both sides. But that kind of thing, that's what being a good skeptic actually is. It's not, show me evidence. That's not evidence. You know, like you see that a lot online. Yeah. And it's understanding what evidence is and understanding the kind of evidence you're looking for. Like the streams you did recently with the Jesus mythicism. You get a lot of people who will say something like, well, nobody in Rome wrote about Jesus. That's pretty good evidence he didn't exist. Which then, isn't true. But. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Well, why would that be good evidence he didn't exist? He was a preacher in the backwoods of nowhere. He didn't have an impact in Rome. So you're looking for the wrong evidence. Being a skeptic right. is, a good skeptic is looking for the right evidence. When I, I hear that often, and I'm always like, like, what do you imagine a Roman aristocrat is doing because they're the ones writing books because they're the only ones who can write. Yeah. You know, it's not that, that not everybody could do it. So a Roman aristocrat is like, oh, there's a apocalyptic like doomsday preacher in rural Galilee, thousands of miles away. I must immediately write this down. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It just it doesn't happen, you know. And I mean, he he was basically I I, I think what happens is people mistake the Jesus in the book for what people are talking about when they talk about the historical Jesus. So they look for the evidence that they would expect to see of the book mm -hmm. rather than mm -hmm. the actual person. Right. Yeah, definitely. So uh, why don't we talk about some issues we see with the way skepticism is done in the skeptical community, <laughs> some problems we see. One in particular that I see regularly is this idea that uh, doubting is the only thing, the, the only part, like just denying claims is the only part of skepticism. And it seems like people don't do the the next step of investigating them. And if the evidence is good, accepting them because, you know, yeah. accepting good claims is also part of it. Yes, that's it. It's um, And I, I think that is a big problem in the skeptic community. It's basically, show me evidence. I doubt, I Show, um, a popular one I don't is, like your evidence. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's show me evidence and I'll change my mind. And then you show them evidence and it's like, well, I don't count that as evidence. That's a big <laughs> No, no, problem. show me evidence that says I'm right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. That happens a hell of a lot, unfortunately. Right. Um, and that is definitely bad skepticism. And th this goes back to what I was saying. Being a good skeptic is also about understanding the kind of evidence you're looking for. Um, and the kind of evidence that actually suits the claim you're looking for. Um, like, I know this is a, it's kind of a big one. You can't prove a negative. 
that's quite a big claim in the in the skeptic community. But it just takes two seconds to actually search and say, can you prove a negative? And you'll find a bunch of information that will show you that there are negatives that can be proven. So they're not particularly doing, since like any positive claim you wanted to that you've proved, you could just rephrase it, it as a negative claim. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um so when you show them this evidence, there's a lot of skeptics who will dig down further then and just say, Well, no, you can't prove a negative. Okay, but here's the evidence you can. Yeah, but you can't prove a negative. And it kind of gets stuck in that loop. Yeah. It's 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 like dogmatic is really what it is. Yeah. I think yeah, I think too, like sometimes I automatically assume um, if I'm speaking with other atheists that they're skeptics. And just because you're an atheist doesn't mean you're a skeptic. Uh, just because so. you say you're a skeptic doesn't mean you're a skeptic. <laughs> That's true, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've come to see people who have hashtag skeptic in their name as not particularly good skeptics. It's like <laughs> a band t-shirt more than an actual disposition. Yeah, for sure. And you can definitely, there definitely seems to be a correlation with how loudly they proclaim how much they want evidence. Like that's inversely proportional to how readily they'll actually accept evidence. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, to be, there is something called epistemic humility. Um, I don't know if you've heard that. But basically being a skeptic is more than just... Um, asking these questions it's about making it part of a disposition of ourselves so when we come across something that we don't know rather or we come across somebody that challenges what we know rather than just going nope i'm right we should be have a little bit of humility about what we know well the person in front of us could know more than we actually know i mean i still do it it's I, I've got degrees in this stuff, but I'll come across people who will tell me I'm getting it wrong. And even though I know nothing about them, I'll be like, well, okay, maybe they know more than I do. You just have to have that little bit of humility. You go and look it up. That's being a better skeptic. Epistemic humility is the most important first step to being a good skeptic. Mm. Really accepting that you could be wrong yeah, and trying to look for ways in which try trying to find ways in which you're wrong. Yeah. You know, working just as just as hard to prove yourself wrong as you do to prove yourself right. Exactly. And a lot of skeptics today like to talk about the scientific method and they go on about the null hypothesis and all the language revolves around it, but that's a big part of science. It's not going out and proving your theory right. It's going, how can I show my theory is wrong? And that's part of being a good skeptic in day-to-day -day life as well. Seems to be a distinction too, because like when people find out that I'm a skeptic, they don't really understand what that means. They assume that I'm a cynic. <laughs> yeah, you know, and then I, yes. So. And I think that's the case because when you go online, you find that a lot. And this goes back to what we were just saying about not knowing what evidence to look for or being shown evidence and going, "Nah, -uh, that's not evidence." That is just being cynical. It's going, well, I'm right, and you must be wrong because you're saying something that disagrees with what I think, so therefore whatever you're showing me must be wrong. Well, so we've mentioned evidence a couple times, and obviously that's a very important part of being a skeptic. So uh, what, is, what is evidence? Like what should we be looking for when looking for good evidence? Okay, well, I go with a pretty simple kind of definition of evidence, and this seems to work across the board because you get a lot of people who will argue that evidence only comes in empirical form, um, but I'm quite happy to Where's your evidence of that? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's it. It, it goes <laughs> back to Kirk. the sort of logical positivism. The only thing that has any meaning is when it can be pointed to something that actually exists. It's like, well, then that statement is meaningless. Right. And that's the same with that kind of evidence. If, um, if evidence is only empirical, you can't evidence that claim that evidence is only empirical. Um, so I generally go with the idea is evidence is anything that raises or lowers the probability of a claim or proposition being true. So yeah. you can have evidence that it's false and that lowers the probability or evidence that it's true. And the thing with that as well is there's evidence that can point to several different outcomes, like an underdetermined theory. Um, 
So it's whichever one kind of it raises the probability the most up for me. Yeah, certainly a piece of evidence could support multiple models. Um, yeah, doesn't necessarily like it might support this subclass of models, but not these other ones, and that would still be yeah. evidence for this group. And also, uh, it's important to remember that something being evidence doesn't mean that its existence means a thing is certain now. Like it doesn't have to. Yeah. This piece of evidence doesn't have to prove it on its own. You know. No, no, evidence is a body of things. Like there's a lot of people you get a lot of theists online who will say, what is your best evidence for atheism? Well, I don't have a particular piece of evidence. It's a cumulative thing. It's a body of things that points towards, points me towards this being true rather than that. Right. Those same or, Christians will, will have no problem given the cumulative case for resurrection though. Right? Yeah, <laughs> sure. yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, then, but then on the other side, you'll get a Christian saying, here's an argument for Theism, like uh, the Kalam cosmological argument is a good example of this. Yeah. And the objection you hear a lot is, well, that doesn't prove God exists. Well, they didn't say it did. Or it's hopefully they didn't say it did. Like that doesn't, no. But the thing could still be evidence for theism if it increases its probability, even if it doesn't get you all the way there. Exactly. It, it, it points towards the idea that there is a first cause. And it, right. that doesn't sift out naturalism and it doesn't sift out theism. But it does point towards the idea that spontaneous combustion didn't form the universe right yeah so if you accepted the kalam that wouldn't necessarily mean you have to accept theism but it does mean no. that the probability of any first cause has gone up yeah yeah that's it, it that's all it is um, yeah so what other things should we be looking at when we're talking about evidence another thing i hear all the time uh is um arguments from authority that's another favorite <laughs> of the skeptic community. Yeah, I wish they would stop doing that. <laughs> scientists, most scientists say this is true. Well, that's an argument from authority. No, it's not. No, it's not. That's just, you know, these people are experts. They probably know what they're talking about. So let's go with what they say. Doesn't mean it's true, but it means it's more likely to be true than your plumber going, well, you know what? I think that bloke down the street shouldn't be wearing a mask. Right. And I think that kind of touches on a key point of this kind of absolutist mindset that some skeptics have, that if this thing isn't definitive, it's not 100% reliable, therefore it's 0% reliable, right? Yes. If experts can ever be wrong, then we can't rely on them for anything. Yeah. Um, and this kind of goes back to, you know, we were talking about you can't prove a negative earlier. I've had people argue that. Well, um, one that we had recently was um, evidence of absence is an absence of evidence. And we gave the example of, you know, opening your fridge door and there being no cheese. That proves the negative that there's cheese in your fridge or, mm -hmm. you know, there's no cheese in your fridge. And he was like, well, you can doubt that. Okay, well, how do you doubt that there's cheese in the fridge? Well, it could be behind a bottle. Okay, you move the bottle. Now there's no cheese in the fridge. Well, no. And this was the actual argument that they gave. There could be a secret compartment put in the fridge by the manufacturer that they put a piece of cheese in. And you're like, what now? And he goes, well, if you can doubt it, that means you haven't proved the negative. It's like, well, no, you don't want that kind of certainty for anything. Nothing is that certain. Science certainly is not certain. Yeah, that's when I pull out my sawzall and cut that fridge up. So, that's, <laughs> but, then, but then there could be secret stealth cheese. You know? It could be, that, yeah, it could be that you've just not cut it down small enough. Yeah, yeah, you know, exactly. it could be a crumb of cheese. <laughs> but yeah, yeah there's a look. Sorry, and, and like you said, they don't tend to hold that kind of standard for everything. Just the things that they don't want. You know, that's it. Yeah, and that's another sign of not being a particularly good skeptic. Something I like to say is if you wouldn't accept your claim coming from somebody else, like if you're an atheist and a theist was to make the same argument to you and you would reject that same argument, you're probably not being a very good skeptic, if that makes yeah. sense. For That's sure. A great point, yeah. Yeah. So – uh, back on the argument from authority, though, because uh, we're talking about evidence and yeah, like. Sorry, I'm uh, ADHD brain. That's cool. <laughs> so, uh, 
it's it's interesting to me that often you'll get like that you can't use them that's an argument from authority and then in the same breath you'll get so here's this other authority that i like <laughs> yes <laughs> you hear this all the time with mythicists since we talked about them earlier like you can't trust biblical scholars yeah, that's an argument from 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 authority bring them up so anyway yeah. here's richard carrier's book you should believe everything in there <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I, another popular one is, and I get this a lot with the um, definition of atheism. Mm. Here's philosophy. Here's how they define it. Well, philosophy is an authority. It's not an authority on how I use the word, and that's an argument from authority. Aaron Ross says atheism is X. So therefore, that's what it is. Well, if Aaron Ross has it, then must be true. It must be true, yeah. <laughs> but like you say, there seems to be this double standard where it's if you present something, a lot of people are just looking to dismiss arguments and like they're not even using the fallacies correctly to dismiss them. And that's another sign of being a bad skeptic. If you're just yelling out fallacies to look to dismiss an argument and you can't actually explain the problem with the argument, you're not being a particularly good skeptic. You're just looking for reasons to deny people who think differently to you. Then you're committing my favorite fallacy, the fallacy the fallacy. fallacy. <laughs> <laughs> Which if uh, anybody hasn't heard of that before, it's where you say because an argument is fallacious, its conclusion is false. Which of course is is false. Uh, you could have a fallacious argument that accidentally has a true conclusion. You know. Yeah, yeah. I, I especially when it's like an informal fallacy. Sure. Yeah. 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 So uh, you don't want to play fallacy bingo, is what we often call it, yeah. where you just like, <laughs> oh, you made a mistake, therefore I can ignore everything you said. <laughs> yeah, and that, that happens to me a lot. To be honest, like people do it to me a lot. Yeah, I was just thinking of this, like, it seems like sometimes skeptics aren't really out to find truth. Do you think that you have to be looking for truth to be a skeptic? Or can you just be in that perennial sense, like, I don't believe it, like, you know, it's, nothing's knowable? I think even in some sense, the Peronians were looking for truth. And it's just they realized because of the, um, say, Agrippa's Trilemma, um, mm -hmm. which is, you know, everything leads to an infinite regress. Everything is dogmatically asserted or everything is circular. Because of that, they thought truth couldn't be had. And that meant that searching for truth becomes difficult. So I think that even then they were still looking for truth. They just couldn't figure out how to get it. And I think you do have to be looking for truth to be a good skeptic. And it's one thing that Matt Dillahunty says that I actually kind of like. Um, what is it? I want to believe as many true things as possible and as few false things as possible. I think that is like a good skeptic motto. Yeah, I love that motto, and I would say it a lot more if it weren't repeated by people who are bad skeptics. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it's it sort of become a dogma where it's repeated as like a secret handshake into the club rather than any actual guiding principle. Right. So you made a good point though about the guiding principle, because I think sometimes we lose or we never even gain that, that idea of having a guiding principle, like whether yeah. you've deconverted and that's how you found your way into skepticism or through some other means, um, until you really understand like, what is that guiding principle that's question, like causing you to question things and causing you to look for truth. It can, if you don't have that compass pointing you in the right direction, it can definitely make you go off the path. And I think that's what we see a lot of times in the skeptic community. Yeah, absolutely agree. And when people come out of their theism, they generally end up, or I argue, they generally end up on YouTube and they generally <laughs> end up down the atheist experience pipeline, which is they end up looking at Matt Dillahunty or Ron Ra, um, Seth Andrews, people like that. And those people are arming them with arguments and sending them out there to combat theism or combat Christianity mostly, mm -hmm. rather than saying, okay, welcome to skepticism. Here's some guiding principles. Here's some ways to go about it. Here's some ways to look at your beliefs. It's not about the skepticism. It's about sending you out to combat Christianity. Yeah. And it's understandable. It's it to some degree right. in certain states in America, but it doesn't make for good skeptics. 
Yeah, definitely. There's a lot of emphasis on the us versus them. Like a lot of people want, want the label of being a skeptic without doing the work of being skeptical. Right. Yes. And I think you can see that in the, uh, the mindset that a lot of atheists have is that atheist equals skeptic. You know, if you are an atheist, you must be a yeah. skeptic. And if you're a skeptic, you must be an atheist. Like those are like the two things when it seems to me, if we've defined a skeptic as someone who um, has a kind of doubting mindset about claims and looks for good evidence before they accept that something is true, I think that's a good baseline for skepticism. Then there's nothing stopping someone who's a Christian from being a skeptic. They, they, I mean, they accept claims that I personally wouldn't accept, but as long as they've done their due diligence to investigate the claim and have, you know, tried their best to come to good conclusions based on the evidence, then great. I think they're wrong, but it doesn't make them not a skeptic. A lot of people disagree with me. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I disagree with myself most of the time. That's what (laughs) philosophy does to you. But yeah, no, I completely agree. It's, I mean, you've even got skeptical theism. Sure. It's a very different thing to actually being a skeptic. You know, <laughs> skeptical theism yeah. is terrible, but <laughs> there are skeptics that are theists. They've gone into it. I think we have this habit of, well, if you come to a different conclusion to me, you've not been skeptical. Or you're unreasonable or irrational or, or irrational, yeah. Right. Um, no no and, true skeptic fallacy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's going it. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think as long as you're actually doing your due diligence and I think what a, what a lot of people seem to forget is that we all have our own epistemic bubbles. We all live, we all only have access to the information that we have access to and our childhood thoughts will guide our adulthood thoughts as well. Um, we have grounded beliefs and everything, you know, like Descartes, everything's kind of comes up from them. So that will all influence everything. So you can still doubt what you had as a child and what you got into as an adult and still come to the same conclusions. You brought up the word doubt there, Dave, and I was going to, so it's no coincidence that our channel's name is Reasons to Doubt, but I think what's people don't, they just see that and then they the rest of it, which goes into the skeptical method. But what is your opinion on doubt? And like, how do you approach doubt just in general? Because it's kind of related to skepticism, I think. Oh, it definitely is. Um, I think doubt is a good thing. Doubting everything is a bad thing. Um, And I think there's a, a tendency in the skeptic community to say, well, I doubt everything unless I'm presented with evidence. But once you actually get into the weeds, people don't. You know, they don't doubt that they're going to get hit by a car when they go down to the bottom of the stairs. Or they don't think that Mark's <laughs> going to jump out of the toilet, <laughs> you know. Um, doubt is a good thing. And as Hume would put it, um, we should proportion our beliefs to the evidence. I think that is basically doubt. There are certain things that we can just accept without doubting too much. Um Generally, when we ask somebody on the street, have you got the time? Going back to before we all had mobile phones anyway. Um, we wouldn't doubt that they were telling us the correct time. We wouldn't go, well, can you show me the evidence that you're showing me the correct time? Prove that your watch is accurate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, most people don't do that kind of thing. Um, and a lot of people only doubt claims that they already doubt. Um well, and I, th- I think – go ahead. Sorry. I, I was just going to say I think that's another thing to do with skepticism. It's not just doubting. It's not just questioning other people's beliefs. It's you know questioning our own and where mm-hmm. we got them from, like we mentioned earlier. I'd say for stuff like that, though, it's not even that you're not <laughs> – doubting the people who say well i doubt that that's true i would require evidence for the guys watch or whatever they're ignoring all of the background evidence that they have like the background knowledge which is the it's an important piece like it's not that i've just accepted on faith that a car isn't going to plow through my living room i have a lot of background knowledge that tells me it's unlikely to happen and therefore you know based on the evidence i have like background knowledge is evidence it it is evidence in and of itself yeah Um, and that's why they need Bayesian goes into prior probabilities a lot. 
Yeah. You know, we, we've dropped a ball a hundred times and it's fallen a hundred times. So that raises the probability that the ball is going to, it's not that each time we drop a ball, we're coming into a new instance of a ball dropping. Exactly. And that's, that kind of ties into what we were talking about with authorities. It's, you know, you're raising the likelihood that this is true. We have a prior, we have a lot of prior experience with dealing with the scientific consensus or the medical community or whatever and they're usually right but we also had the prior knowledge that they science changes over time so we should accept what they have because it's usually right with the understanding that in the future that could change yeah yeah though i will say just as an aside on science because a lot of some creationists like to look at oh well science changes therefore it's unreliable but they have a this is a little bit off topic, but they have an incorrect concept of how science changes. Science doesn't go here to here to here, like it's all over randomly. You know, it's yeah. getting progressively less wrong over time as they like narrow yeah. in on as the it correct gets answer. To an actual answer, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's paradigm shifts, but that doesn't mean that once that paradigm shifts, all the information that was had before is now useless. It, it just means right. we're looking at it a slightly different way. The, all of the observations, the, the evidence that led you to this conclusion is still there. And so yeah. any new model has must have the same predictions for the same evidence because of, that's the evidence, you know? Yeah. That's <laughs> um, like relativity like doesn't predict different things than Newtonian physics when it, it doesn't predict that the ball's not going to drop because that would be no, insane. You know? <laughs> that's it. Yeah. It, it's not. It doesn't overwrite everything, yeah. Um, like people say, you know, evolution could be proven, disproven tomorrow. Well, no. Certain bits of it could be. But the majority of the theory is going to remain the same. I mean, the you could say maybe, but like any new theory you come up with is going to have to make the same predictions. It's going to be rooted in it and, yeah. yeah. So like – I suppose you could prove that the the mechanisms we think drive evolution are incorrect, perhaps, you know, but like what this new mechanism you're coming up with does has must be the same as the old mechanism in these circumstances because it made accurate predictions. It's, yeah, yeah, that's it. Um, and I think that's one of the things about science. One of the good things is the – we were talking about evidence earlier and this, sorry, I jump all over the place, ADHD brain, like I said. <laughs> um, what evidence, testable predictions is a good thing that is evidence. If you if your theory can actually make a prediction about something and that prediction happens even just 99.9% of the time, that's pretty good evidence that whatever you're arguing is correct. Yeah. Uh, one thing on doubt that, um, getting back to the black and white thing, it seems like there's a problem not just in humans in general and the skeptic community is not immune to this, to being uncomfortable with I don't know, like yes. preferring any answer to no answer at all. Yeah. So uh, one thing I wish that skeptics in particular would be better at is being not just saying that I don't know is okay because they'll often say that. But like, no, genuinely, I don't know is an okay answer, you know? Yes. Um, Again, that goes back to the bad skepticism where you can present people with evidence and they'll go, that's wrong. Because like you said, the whole, I don't, it's okay to say, I don't know thing is just like performative. Um, Mm. And it would be good. That's a good sign of epistemic humility, actually being able to say, okay, well, maybe I didn't know. Um, when presented with something new, that ability to say maybe I didn't know or maybe I don't know is a foundation for being able to change your mind. I wonder too. So I have a like if I say I don't know, like there's something deep inside of me that goes, oh, now you have to find out. Like it drives <laughs> yeah. me to like find that answer. But I wonder if just some people are just like they're literally okay saying I don't know and they don't care if they find the answer. If there's something, you know, yeah, I suffer about people. from that with certain things. Like well, with certain topics, certain, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's like I, I yeah. don't know and I really just don't care. For sure. Sadly, some of theism is like that for me. I didn't grow up in it. I don't really care whether it's true or not. And um, Jesus mythicism is another one. I don't think it's true. I I generally tend to go with the historical evidence, but I don't really care that much 
I'm that way with biology. I try to care because, you know, I'm trying to combat creationism and other things like that. So, like, I have a, a reason to care about it. But, man, is it hard for me to, like, keep my yeah. eyes open. As Like, the instant <laughs> someone starts talking biology, my brain starts to, like, just... <laughs> I'll just practice the biology of sleeping. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. All right, so we've talked about what it means to be a skeptic. We've talked about uh, the ways that you should go about being a skeptic, requiring evidence for your beliefs, but then when you get evidence, accepting it. Uh, signs of being a good skeptic being that you change your mind sometimes. That's probably a good sign. that If, if you yeah. have the same thoughts 10 years from now as you did today, you probably haven't done much skepticism along the yeah. way. <laughs> you've, you know? you've done a Descartes. Right, exactly. You've done it there. We're going to use that term now. <laughs> yeah. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to tell the skeptical audience things, uh, last message to give to them? Um, yeah. Pick up a book on critical thinking. Like, not just say, I'm a critical thinker, but actually pick up a book on critical thinking. Um, because there's a, critical thinking is harder than many people seem to think. A lot of people think critical thinking is being cynical, but critical thinking isn't just going, nah, -uh. it's an actual process. Um, and I released a video recently that talked about the schematic processing that we have and how we have what are known as our event schemas. Um, and what these are, are sort of scripts in our head that play out whenever we encounter a particular situation. And critical thinking is about changing those event schema so that when we approach a particular situation, it becomes a disposition and we start to think critically. Thinking critically is about looking at both sides and skepticism is sort of the same thing. It's not about just looking at what's wrong with a particular argument, but what's right about a particular argument. Mm. And I think that's a big thing that gets lost in the skeptic community, forgetting to look about what's right about the argument. Mm. As if yeah. you admit to anything being right at all, it means you must accept it. But that's not quite the case. Or that you've lost something. Yeah. Uh, the debate bro thing has killed the skeptic community, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You should be, if you really understand a position, you should be able to articulate it and the, the things in favor of it well, right? Because yes. even the worst, maybe not the worst, but a lot of even bad propositions aren't completely hopeless. They have something going for them. You but, know? Yeah. I mean, that that's one of the reasons why I kind of like to promote Cartesian skepticism. It sets the bar way too high. Um, I don't think anybody can actually succeed in doing. But there's a lot we as skeptics can learn from it, the methodological methodological doubt going through our beliefs especially the most important ones and questioning them all that even bad ideas can have good things found within them that are useful to us i wish that the skeptic community would quit with this anti-philosophy thing they've got going on there's there seems to be a push where like all of philosophy is useless and philosophers are it's a waste of time. And I mean, don't get me wrong, some forms of philosophy are really in the weeds and noodly and you I'll know agree. kind of I mean, you know, blow my mind. Yeah. Books here and degrees and and I'll absolutely agree with you. There's a lot of there's right. philosophy that's crap. But what it, it seems that when people who are like, oh, philosophy is a waste of time, I don't deal with it, it doesn't stop them from doing philosophy. They just do it badly. <laughs> if you're calling yourself a skeptic, you're doing philosophy. Philosophy yeah. is epistemological, yeah. It, it, uh, skepticism is epistemological. It's part of philosophy. It's part of the theory of knowledge. So right. if you're dismissing it out of hand, you're, you, this goes back to the whole you know, being a bad skeptic thing. And if you want to know about history, you should talk to a historian. If you want to know about physics, you should talk to a physicist. If you want to know about philosophy, you should talk to a philosopher, right? Yeah. Like, if you want to know about epistemology, <laughs> go to the epistemologist. There you go. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, Dave, where can people find you on the internets if they want to hear more? I have uh, my own YouTube channel called Trolley Dave, and you can also find me with Joe on Answers in Reason. We probably will be going back to streaming soon. I know Joe wants to, so I'll probably be joining him. I 
like I said, I've just had a couple of health issues that can be from doing it for a while. Awesome. Well, I uh, concur with what Jared said earlier. Strongly recommend that everyone check out their channel. I know it helped me immensely uh, as a skeptic. I learned a lot uh, from having watched them. Uh, they pulled me out of the agnostic atheist sinkhole. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're bad for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Any final thoughts, Jared? No, I was just going to ask Dave. Uh, so normally we wrap up with the fallacy of the day. That's kind of our thing. Uh, we already touched on the fallacy fallacy, but is there a particular fallacy that you enjoy the most? Or is misused the most? Or, or is misused. Yeah, what, what's your take? Ooh. Okay, that's a difficult one. Um, I'll <laughs> go with uh, my favorite one because okay. this one is actually really relevant to the skeptic community and it sort of links into Jared's fallacy fallacy, uh, Jordan's fallacy fallacy. This is the G.I. Joe fallacy, and it's based Ooh. off um, knowing is only half the thing. And, knowledge is and half the battle. Knowledge is half the battle, yeah. yeah. It's, a lot of people seem to believe, and like this leads to the fallacy bingo, a lot of people seem to believe that if you know the name of a fallacy, you have overcome you committing that fallacy when actually all you've been able to do is name the fallacy and most of the times name it incorrectly. Mm. So that's my favorite one because I see that a lot in the skeptic community. The GI Joe fallacy. I like that. So yeah. uh, the way you can avoid that is by not just like shouting a fallacy and running away. What you yes. should do <laughs> instead is say, Hey, you argued in this way. That's you might say this is called that fallacy. And here's why that's wrong. Here's why I think that's the case. You know, yes, that would do hey. a couple things. It would one teach the other person what they did wrong rather than just screaming a word at them and running, you know, yeah. <laughs> and also maybe you're wrong about the fallacy. And if you talk about it, maybe you'll find out that you were wrong. You know, and that's yeah. good. Because then the best part about being a skeptic is if you find out you're wrong, you can just change your mind and then you're not wrong anymore. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> I'm solved. It, that's pushed a lot in the skeptic community. It'd be nice to actually see it happening a little more. <laughs> yeah. For all the, as much as they yell about being skeptics, they sure don't seem to change their mind a whole lot. <laughs> yeah. I, I tend to call it aesthetic skepticism. <laughs> it's all about how it looks. Yeah. <laughs> Aesthetic-ism. I'll have to come up with a word for that. But. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Once you do, let me know and I'll start using it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, thanks well, for coming on, Dave. It was a blast. And uh, hopefully we can have you on again. Yeah, no, anytime. Thanks for having me on. I'm honored. It was a lot of fun. And until then, remember, you've always got reason to doubt. Peace out.